Welcome. Welcome. Glad that you're here for Easter this morning. We are absolutely overjoyed that you would come here and um, celebrate Easter with us. Today is a very, 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 very great day. Very great day. If there ever is a day for us to rejoice and celebrate and just sing out praises to Christ, today's the day. We should do it every Sunday. No question. I'm, I'm absolutely admitting that. But today um, is the day that we remember the day that He's not just in the grave anymore, but He has blown open the doors of the grave and He is alive, never to die again. Yeah, He rose people from the dead, but they died again. He is absolutely 100% alive right now, standing next to the Father, Father, interceding for us right now at this very moment. He is alive and He is living for us and He died for us. Today is an amazing, amazing day for us to celebrate and it's... Um, my great honor to be able to come to you today and present the gospel to you and tell you about Christ and hopefully by the end have you so overjoyed that you're going to either A, give your life to Christ if you don't know Him or B, you're, we, we put our worship at the end here because we, we believe that, the, that God's Word is so powerful that after we hear from Him, it has nothing to do with me, but after we hear from Him, from His Word, that our response should be very, very celebratory and very much on fire. So we put our worship at the end and hopefully I'm going after that. I'm after your, your salvation this morning. Or for you just to stand and sing with us and we are going to blow the roof off this place and celebrate Christ today. And then you can go have some lunch. All right? So it's my absolute joy that, uh, that you are here and that I get the chance to be able to stand in front of you today. Let me pray before we get started. Um, just, I already said this, we're going to take a break from 1 John. So uh, if, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of these little yellow-greenish Bibles underneath there if you don't have one. You can open up to page 61. That's where we're going to be today, um, in page 61. Uh, we're, we're taking a break from 1 John. Uh, if you haven't been here, uh, we're studying the book of 1 John kind of verse by verse. You haven't really, honestly, I've done two sermons and I've only done verse 1. So you can still come and get pretty much the rest of the book. So um, please come back next week and, and go through that. We've been memorizing the book of 1 John as well. And so all of you who've been faithful in memorizing, you get an extra week. We're not, we're not going into the next section. Um, and for those of you, this is great news for you that have, you know, been busy these past two weeks. You get an extra week to, to do the, to the, mem- do the memorization. You can actually get, uh, all that on our blog. Go to, go to remedychurch.org slash blog. Um, I'm gonna pray and, and, uh, we're gonna go into our, our, uh, a time of study in the Word. Let me pray. Lord, I, uh, I thank you so much for your goodness. You are just incredible. Your love is amazing. You are so powerful. God, uh, I'm thankful that even though you sent your son and he died for us, and it seemed that Satan had the upper hand. You, you tell us this in, in the very beginning in Genesis, that um, Satan will, will bruise his heel, but right after that you say that he will bruise his head, that, that Satan did not have the last say. His heel, Jesus' heel had been bruised, but now... Jesus has come back and bruised the head of Satan. He has defeated Satan's sin and death. He has overcome death itself and has been resurrected to life. And now we have life eternal. Father, all over this city and all over this country, men will be preaching your gospel to countless unsaved people. If there ever was a day that people would come to church, it's today. And I pray, Lord, that 
as the gospel is presented clearly, I pray, Lord, that you would help those pastors present the gospel clearly, that salvation would happen. Lord, would you bless that today? Would you bring people to Christ today here at Remedy and all over this city and, Lord, all over this country? That people would come to know Christ. That you would amaze us. Lord, that it would make the news that so many salvations happen today. And that a revival in this land would happen. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the glory that is, that is revealed to us in the cross. And that has been revealed to us in the resurrection of Christ. Be with us now, Father, as we open your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, there's a message that we have to proclaim. It's called the gospel. It's called the good news. And so the question for all of us here today is this. Um, do we believe this message? And has this message affected the way we're living our life? Has this message affected the way we're living our life? Is there a distinction? This is what I mean. Is it just some kind of mental exercise, an intellectual agreement with the facts? Yeah, I believe this guy named Jesus lived. I believe he rose from the dead. Or is there in our lives not just an intellectual agreement, but a lifestyle that follows of worship after that? A lifestyle of worship that follows. Because if you don't truly worship him, and, and, and let me just say, I don't mean sing, okay? I'm not talking about singing loud. Um, we, we worship through song, but that's not worship. That is worship, but that's not just worship altogether. Worship is the way we live our life for Christ day in, day out. So I'm not just talking about, do you believe these facts with me? I want to know if you live your life for Him, if you worship Him. Because if you don't worship Him, if you just believe facts, then I don't think you know him. Let, let me read something to you. This is Matthew 28. This is the very end um, of the gospel according to Matthew or the good news of Jesus according to Matthew. And right when the resurrection had happened, um, Jesus kind of showed himself to some of his disciples. And this is what it says. Matthew 28. It says, So they departed quickly from the tomb because it was empty. And with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. Now this would just, this would freak them out a little bit, right? Look what it says. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Notice their response. Their response wasn't like, oh, okay, I agree, there it is, he has risen, let's go home and get some breakfast. It wasn't that at all. They came up to him, they grabbed his ankles and worshipped him. And I'm just going to submit that the, the facts of the resurrection presented to you, this should be your response. And I'm not saying physically, I'm not expecting you to run up here and pretend he's standing right here and you're going to somehow grab you know, air and think you're grabbing his ankles and worship. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about as you walk out of here, your life should be changed. I'm not used to having a tie on. <laughs> Two times a year, y'all get to see me with a tie on. All right. So 
We should be worshiping him. And, then, and Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. There they will see me. So here's the deal. There's three kinds of people in the room. Three kinds. Maybe there's more, but I'm going to boil it down to three. A, one, you're a believer. Two, um, you agree intellectually with all these facts and you think you're a believer but you're not because you don't worship Him. Or three, you know outright I am not a believer in Jesus and I have no interest in that whatsoever. And as I said, I'm going after two things. Today, if you're a believer, I want your unabashed worship of Christ. Not just in this room as we sing and worship, but as you walk out. Or two, I want you to be saved. I want you to put your faith in Christ. And maybe you've intellectually agreed to some facts and hopefully by the end of this sermon, you're going to say... Okay, all I did was believe in Jesus, some facts, but I didn't necessarily know him and worship him. I thought I was a Christian, but now I'm seeing that I might not and I need to become one. If you're claiming to believe in Jesus, but you're just kind of comparing yourself to other people and the way that they live their life, um, but you're not remembering that he is a holy God and that he demands your absolute worship. If you don't value Christ, if you don't respect the sacrifice that He made for you on your behalf as He died on the cross, if you don't worship the Savior, then you are in danger of eternal separation. Eternal separation from Him. The man that gave His life for you, the man that came and died on the cross for you, you're in danger from eternal separation from Him. He loved you enough, God loved you enough to send His Son for you to die on the cross for you. If you don't worship Him with your life, then you don't know Him. You can't just say you agree with the facts. I'm not after, I'm not after intellectual assent today. So here's the deal. Maybe you say you believe in Him because that's just kind of culturally what we do here in South Carolina. You know, we grew up in the church. I, I went to church all my life. So this, this pastor has always stood up there and told me that this man, Jesus, lived and died. And sure, I agree with that. He resurrected. That sounds like no big deal. He's God. Sure, he can do that. I'm not after some kind of cultural agreement. Um, I'm not after you just calling on Him because you've got some kind of crisis in your life. Things are going fine. Things are cruising down. Everything seems to be going in. And so you're not interested in God. Oh, crisis. Oh, I need God now. Please come make my situation better. I'm not interested in that either. Perhaps that's how you've been going. And you know what? If that's how it's been going, it's okay. But I want it to be different. I want it to be, I need Christ and Christ alone Every moment, whether things are good or th whether things are bad, I always need Him. So there is no middle ground here. Because Jesus Christ died for you. So today I just want to kind of talk about the gospel with you. Gospel just meaning the good news. And so if you, if I were to ask you, what is the gospel? Um... Paul has answered that for us. Paul's a guy that lived right after Jesus. He answered that for us. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And Paul's kind of answered what the gospel is for us in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. So I want to read you the gospel. And as I'm reading the gospel, um, Paul actually addresses the facts of the resurrection. 
um, and, and it proves that to us as well. So I'm just going to kind of cover all that in these verses, and then we're going to go to our main text there, Luke 15. This is what Paul says. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, in which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached, unless you believed in vain. So he's going to tell you, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Verse 3 says this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ, here it is, died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. There's the Gospel. Continuing. And that He was buried. That's the Gospel. And that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's the good news. That Jesus died for us according to the sins, that He was buried and that He was raised in accordance with the Scriptures. That's the good news. But that's just not what I'm after. Now look, look at this. And that he appeared to Cephas. That's Peter. Perhaps you've heard of him. Um, and then he says, and to the twelve. That's the disciples. And he appeared to more than, here it is, 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep. Which means some have died. So, if, if Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to Peter, the twelve disciples, and then 500 people. This is starting to become very, very good proof that the resurrection actually happened. 500 people. Um, it's, it's, not, it's, it's different than today. Like we live in South Carolina and we walk around and we say, hey, I believe in Jesus. Nobody's going to say, well, okay, come die. But here, if over 500 people are saying that they have seen the resurrected Christ, then they're putting their life on the line. It's not like one or two people thought, hey, let's, let's think of a good funny joke. 500 people. This is great, great evidence that the resurrection actually happened. And he's already given us the gospel. And then it says this, Most of whom fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, that's his brother, and then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one um, untimely born, he appeared also to me. So Paul says he also appeared to me, and that's a whole different story, which we're not going to run down that road. So, um, what I want to do today, which we've seen the gospel, I want to talk about today... Um, and, and kind of break this down for us. When the gospel is presented to us, um, when it invades not just our, our minds, but our hearts, whenever we hear these facts, what is it that's supposed to actually happen in our lives? What is it that our, how, do, how does it look when the gospel comes to us? What does that look like in our lives? That's what I want us to see today. And for some of you that are Christians, this is going to be a great reminder of the gospel. You need to hear the gospel every day. But for some of you who don't know Christ, I want you to pay attention to these, these things. Because if you start recognizing that this is describing you, today's a great day for you. A very, very great day for you. So I want to break down how this happens. This, this is a very familiar story probably to most of us. This is in Luke chapter 15. We're in verse 11. Verse 11. Um, you don't need to write this down. Some of you probably got one of these cards here. Um, Easter, Jesus is alive. Amen. Amazing stuff. And it says notes on the back. Normally put that. If you want to and you just have to, then write it down. But I just want you to, to sit there and just read everything I say. It'll be up on the screen point by point. And I just want you to just listen. And, and, and the reason why is because it could be describing you, and I don't want you to concentrate on writing words, making sure you get down every word and every sentence and every, every, every punctuation mark. I want you to just listen, and if it's describing you, I want God to engage your heart. All right? All right. Verse 11. 
There was a man. This is Christ Jesus just explaining a story to us about how the gospel happens to us. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property and reckless living. He squandered his property and reckless living. So um, this is kind of describing us in life. We, we are giving life by God. He's, he's blessed us with breath and family or friends or an ability to do things. He's given things to us. And we take his gifts and we go out and we squander these things in reckless living. Um, we are all going to recklessly pursue sin in our lives with the good gifts from God. So this is the first kind of process. This is the first thing that happens to us. Um, we all will pursue sin. We all are going to pursue it. And the funny thing is that we're going to pursue it with the gifts from God that He gives us. Not only are we going to pursue sin, we are sinners. We are sinners. Now, looking at the story, this seems to be the norm. that The younger son decides to just go out and live a reckless life. And this seems to be kind of the norm here in America, right? Um, for a lot of young people, as they're coming through high school and college, this just seems to be the norm. They have this... They have this time period where they want to live for themselves. Sow their wild oats or, or whatever you want to call it. But um, this is not God's intention for young people to go through. This is not his desire. Um, his desire is not that they would have their wild time first and then decide to get serious about God because they get married or then have a serious time because they finally have children or whatever. His desire is that even through their teenage years and early 20s, that they would pursue Him. I have a heart for this. Very much a heart for this. That these kind of things would not happen in people's lives. But here's the good news. Even if that's your life right now. Even if that defines you to a T. God loves you. God loves you. Romans 5.8 is so clear to us. That even while we were still sinners. Christ died to us. Christ died for us. He loves you. So you are far more sinful than you could ever possibly imagine. But you are far more loved than you could ever possibly imagine. So it's good news if this describes you. Because Christ loves you. And He died for you. And He wants to have a relationship with you. And He wants you to be forgiven. Verse 14 tells us this. So He went off and He had reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. He began to be in, in need. All of us will recognize this, whether it's happened to us personally, or we've not gone through it, but we've seen a family member go through it. The wild time comes to an end. What you think to be fun always ends. Always. It can happen on a Saturday night at 3 a.m., when you finally start sobering up and you're just asking yourself, what in the world am I doing with my life? It can happen once you finally have children and you realize you've wasted 35 years of your life. But one, at one time in your life, if this describes you, you're going to finally realize the wild time has to end. For this guy, it was a famine. 
And he began to see that he was in need. Now, um, beginning to see that you're in need is actually a good thing. When you don't see that you're in need, you're still in danger. You're still in danger. But he began to see that he was in need. So here's the second thing. As a sinner, one day we will realize that we are in need of forgiveness. This is a good thing. Until we start recognizing that we need forgiveness, we're going to continue on rebelling against God's laws. We're going to continue to never want to worship Him. We're going to continue to say, Jesus, I don't want you in my life. But he saw that he began to be in need. And it was because of circumstances. A famine happened. And so for us, it might be that a family member finally died. It might be that you've had that 3 a.m. experience on a Saturday night. I don't know what it is. It might be that you finally are being pulled in by Christ right now. You've You've just lived a life of regret and sin. God loves you. And this moment right now, you're beginning to see your need. Praise God if that's happening. Praise God. Now look what happens here. Um, well, let's go to 15. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens. The son went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Just gross. I mean, honestly, when we become desperate, when we recognize this, we become desperate, we will do anything. We will do anything. And that's what he's doing. And he was longing, longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. He was longing to be fed. There's a new low that he has found himself at, which I've hinted to is a good thing to be at. Because once he sees this as a new low, then it means he'll start recognizing his sin and he'll start and you will start and I will start, all of us, start on the path which is a good thing, towards Jesus. If you are finding yourself coming, becoming aware of this, you are on a good path. God is starting to pull you in to be saved. This is a great thing. It's only a matter of time. So here's the deal. Here's the third thing. Whenever We will start longing just like He is. We will become desperate. We will start feeding on anything that satisfies our sinful desires until these desires die. What are you feeding on right now? If you don't know him, are you feeding on materialism? Are you feeding on sex? What is it that you're feeding on? Are you just feeding on gossip? Are you feeding on trying to make yourself look better in front of the other people? There's something that is driving you away from Christ. There's a sin that's that's pulling you. It co- it comes at the middle of the night. It comes during the middle of the day. It, it calls out your name and it entices you and it draw it draws you in and draws you in. Perhaps it's laziness. I don't know what it is. But it's calling towards you. Now look at verse 17. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And when he came to himself, he said, listen, he came to himself. He came to himself. All of a sudden, the work of God awakened his heart. He's like, what in the world am I doing here? I used to have something. It used to be good. It says he came to himself and he thought, how many of my father's hired servants 
have more than enough bread and I'm going to perish here with hunger. He remembers back and he says, I used to be able to eat all the time. Everything used to be okay. I was always well fed. And now I'm going to die of hunger. This doesn't even make any sense. And I'm praying right now that this kind of spiritual awakening would happen to you right now. That all of a sudden you would come to yourself. Now what I want you to realize is that he doesn't get up and try to clean himself up first. He's got pig slop. He's got nastiness all over him. He is just going to go to his father just like this. Um, my wife, I love her. I love her so much. She is a, she is a germaphobe um, at, at its like ultimate pinnacle level. She, she took microbiology in college and she's never been the same. Um, I've never taken it and I don't really understand science that well anyway. But what I understand is they explain germs in this class and it, and it, it makes you a germaphobe. It just freaks you out. Like it doesn't matter if we're getting out of, out of the, the, uh, car to go to Walmart, we're grabbing all the hand sanitation wipes and we're wiping off, we're handing kids, I'm not, I'm not lying to you, every kid gets a sanitation wipe in both hands and they're just wiping down the cart everywhere, all three of them that can do it. So we got six and, and, and me and Christy too, I mean, she's turned me in kind of into one, if I don't do it, you know, I, I'll get in trouble. So um, she's turned into this germaphobe, I mean, and it's because of microbiology, it's, it's done it to her. Um, and so yesterday, um, we were at Carowinds, Carowinds is open, and my son, I mean, he is just... He's two, and he's just all boy, all boy. So he's going over here, and he's just digging in the dirt. And then his hands are nasty, and he comes up, and he always sucks his two fingers. So as soon as he gets done digging with the dirt, he looks up at Christy, and he just starts sucking his two fingers. And of course, and with her microbiology, you know, history, she's just freaks out. She can't take it. And so uh, he runs off again. And so he goes, I'm not lying, I saw this with my own eyes. He goes up to the trash can and grabs the trash can with both hands and just starts shaking it like this. And she, she's like, no, 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 don't touch the trash can. And so he takes his hands off the trash can and he looks at her, both fingers in the mouth again. And so, I mean, she honestly just loses at this moment. And so I have to get one of those, these little wipes and I'm just, I'm just wiping his hands up and I'm, I'm getting them and I'm getting them all clean for him. Cleaning his hands thoroughly, which is, you know, calming her down, making her feel better, but still, you know, the dirt and then the trash can part. She was, she was kind of pushed over the edge. She had to just kind of walk away. I just gotta, I just gotta leave this. I gotta can't even think about it. Um, so I'm washing her hands. I'm, I'm washing his hands and I'm getting him all clean. And I, I just started thinking, you know what? This is exactly how God is. God is not a germaphobe. God is not the one that says, you know what? Um, if you're gonna come to me, then you need to be clean first. Sorry, I know how germs work. As a matter of fact, I created germs and I need for you to come up here first all clean. We are, just like my son, to come up to the Father as nasty and as wretched as we can be. And he receives the glory by doing the cleaning. We come up to him just as nasty as we can and we say, God, I have no other hope but you. Here I am. My hands are dirty. They're nasty. And he's the one that cleans us. He's the one. All at once he came to him. He did not try to clean up himself. He went straight to his Father as dirty as he could. Because God's the one who gets the glory when He does the cleaning. He's the one that cleanses you from your sin. This morning, come right now just as you are. You're thinking to yourself, no, I can't come right now. I've got things I've got to do. I'm, I'm living with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I've got to get that straight. No, you don't. You've got to come to Jesus. He's the one that cleans it up. I'm living in sin because I'm addicted to pornography. God doesn't want me right now. This is when He wants you the most. He's the one that's going to cleanse you. He's the one that's going to thoroughly wash you. You don't know how I speak to my children or my wife. You don't know that I'm, I'm 
neck deep in cheating on everything at work. This is when he wants you. He doesn't want you to get cleaned up first and then he makes things right. You just come give your life to Jesus now. He's the one that cleanses you. It's, I have conversation after conversation after conversation with people who are far from Christ that, that think they have to clean themselves up first. No, I can't come now. I got too many things going on. I got to get right first. I, I got to make my... No, you don't. This guy came with pig slop all over him. God receives the glory when he cleanses you. He wants you as nasty as you are to come. Just come. Verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I will perish here with hunger. One day God's going to move in our hearts. This is point four. One day God's going to move in our hearts and show us that we are sinful and it's going to hurt for a short time. It's going to hurt for a short time. But, verse 18 says, I will arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned before you. I have sinned against heaven and before you. So when that day comes, and you start recognizing your sin, and you start trying to, and hopefully it's today, you start trying to rationalize, today's not the day, today is the day. All you need to do is do what he says. Come and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is the fifth one. We will understand that we sinned not just against other people, but against a holy God. We will come and we will just say, God, I've sinned against you. And he knows. He knows everything. He wants you to come. Just like this. Look at this. Verse 19 says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servant. So the son's like, you know what? Because I've blown it so bad, and I'm so nasty and so wretched and dirty, I once was your son, but I don't want to be your son anymore. Because if that was your son, that just wouldn't be right because of all the things I've done wrong. So I'm not worthy of that. So what I want you to do is not make me your son again, because that's just, that just seems intellectually wrong. You can't do that because I'm so horrible. So what I want you to do is just make me one of those servants. You know, you, you've got guys, Father, that clean up the pig stuff and they, they do a bunch of servant work. And I, you know, if you would just make me a servant, I can eat. That, that'll be fine. But you can't make me a son. I've just done too many wrong things. Here's the sixth thing. You will rightly feel unworthy for this kind grace and mercy being shown to you. You will rightly feel unworthy and let me just break it down to you you're not worthy neither am i we're not but it is never god's intention to reconcile you to himself to be a servant it's to be a son or daughter that is the greatest news you're not going to clean the stalls you're going to come and be a son or a daughter full reconciliation to him Are you hearing what I'm saying? As far away as you might think you are, as wretchedly dirty as you think you are, he's saying, come that way right now, be fully reconciled to me as a son or daughter. 
That's the deal. That's what he's extending to you. There, there is no second class citizen. There is no, you're too dirty to come right now. There's no reason to put this off. But this is my hands down favorite picture. This is my favorite thing. This is my absolute favorite part of the story. I get so jazzed up about this, I can barely... I've been waiting to do this part, like, the whole time. So we're thinking, alright, I'm nasty, I'm wretched, I'm disgusting, I have all these things wrong, this is my plan, I just, you know, I'm, I'm disgusting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to just walk this nasty road up to his house, knowing that everything's so bad, knowing that he's probably going to reject me, he's going to be mad at me, I'm going to be dirty, and I'm just going to say, just make me a servant. Look at this. Just amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm no longer going to be called your servant. And he arose and came to his father. All right, here it is. Right there in verse 20. Look at this. This is God's response to you when you come. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Stop right there. What does this mean? You can picture it. The father can't see him when he's a long way off if the father's not sitting Waiting. Here he is. It's not like the father's in the house just doing his stuff, just saying, well, he's going to come one day. The indication here is that the father is sitting, waiting. He's looking at you. This is his depth of love for you. He's waiting. He has his eyes on you right now. What does he do? Look at the father's response. This is so beautiful. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Did he get mad at him? He felt compassion. And this old man ran. Now this is just a story, but this is a picture of God. Alright, this is the picture of God. He ran. And he embraced him. And he kissed him. Are you, are you seeing this? Come as dirty as you are. You are fully reconciled as a son. And as you're coming, he is sprinting towards you to hug you and embrace you and pull you in. And he's so compassionately in love with you. Come. He loves you so much. This is the seventh one. God will compassionately come to us, embrace us as his child, and he will make us clean, forgiving our sin. And look what he does. Look at the father's response. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and before heaven. I'm no longer worthy to called your son. He's not even listening to that. But the father quickly said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us come and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. My goal today is not to prove the resurrection to you. My goal today is to put the gospel in front of you. This is the picture of the gospel. You have been separated if you don't know Christ. If you don't worship Him, you just believe facts. You are separated from Him. If you don't worship Him, you don't know Him. But come to Him. You can be totally forgiven for everything you've done. There is no reason to stay away. Come to Him this morning. Come. He's coming to you. So where are you this morning? Will you recognize this morning that you're a sinner? Will you recognize it along with me that we're all sinners? We all need Him. Will you realize that you need forgiveness? 
if you don't know Christ, if you're just living like you believe Him, but you're not worshiping, worshiping Him with your life, will you come to Him? Will you recognize that there is no middle ground here? You can't just agree that Jesus lived and died. You have to worship Him. Our right response is worship. Maybe you, you have lived that life of worship for a while and you just kind of pulled back and cruised through life for a year or two. Well, this picture is still the same. God's still sprinting towards you, compassionately embracing you. And you need to worship God this morning. Will you come to Christ today, dirty, realizing that He has the victory? He has secured the victory over Satan, sin, and death. Where's your victory, Satan? Where's your sting, death? Where is it? Praise be to God. He has defeated it all. Amen. This is incredible news for me and for you today. Will you come this morning and let Him embrace you as His child and make you clean, thoroughly forgiving your sin? There's no reason to put this off. I want you to grab this. Everyone grab this. This is what I want to do today. You should have written your name at the top. There is no place on this, so just where, in these spaces right here, this is what I want you to do. If you want Christ this morning, if you want Christ, make sure we have some way to contact you. If you want Christ this morning, anywhere on this side, I don't, anywhere on the card, I want to be a Christian. I want Jesus. I want to be, just write it on there. Write it anywhere on there. Right now. Write it on there. And here's what I want you to do. At the end of this service, after we worship, I want you to drop this in the offering plate. That's what I want you to at least do. At least, at least do. But this is my preference. This is my preference. I want you to bring your card to me. I want to have the opportunity to talk with you. This is how it's going to work. We're going to have four songs of worship. If you know Christ, or if you've been re reinvigorated by the gospel to realize that this is God who sprints towards us and embraces us, I want you to stand and I just want you to celebrate with us. Worship Him like you never have before. Thanking Him for the gospel that He's made you thoroughly clean. But if you don't know if you know Him, or if you thought maybe you did, and you haven't been worshiping Him, and probably you don't know Him, I'm going to be right here. I want you to come and I want you to bring me your card. If you, if you can't do that, drop it in the offering plate. But we're doing it old school today. I'm okay with it. Y'all okay with it doing it old school today? I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. This is how it happened. He stood down here and he just invited people. Some days they came, some days they didn't. I wore my tie. It's time to do it old school. And God is inviting you right now. I don't care who you are in the room. If you don't know Him, Come to Him. I'm not Him. Come to me and I will, I will tell you how to know Him. Whenever you're ready to stand and worship, you stand and worship. As a matter of fact, let's all stand now. Let's all stand now. I'm going to pray.
And when I say amen, this is your moment. This is your moment. He says, if you deny me in front of your men, I will deny you in front of my father. Don't deny him. Come now. Just worship with us this morning. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for this picture of the gospel we have in your word. Where you say, I will thoroughly wash you. I want you to come just as you are. It doesn't matter the sin. It doesn't matter if you've had abortions. It doesn't matter if you've been divorced. It doesn't matter if you're a stealer. It doesn't matter if you're a thief. It doesn't matter if you're addicted to pornography. It doesn't matter what sins you're in right now. Come right now as dirty as you are because you are the one that makes us clean and you are the one who gets glory from it when it happens. God, I pray for salvation right now. I pray for my friends here this morning. That if you are regenerating their heart, showing them the beauty of the cross, showing them the beauty of Jesus and the forgiveness that we can have, that you will bring them down right now. Give them the courage. Let us all rejoice as a church family seeing salvation. Be with us now as we worship. May we worship under the light of this truth that you have made us clean. That you are resurrected. That you are alive. You are at the right hand of the Father. And we have a Savior that loves us that we worship. We love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.